Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. I'll do a short introduction for Ellen. This is, um, this is a great pleasure for me to be able to listen to Ellen's words and hear an entire talk by, by her. So thank you so much for doing this, Ellen. I, we all really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anne. It means, uh, it means a lot to me to hear that from you. Thank you. So, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> I'm really, really happy to be here with all of you. And I also want to welcome uh, any folks who may uh, listen to this recording uh, later on. So it's good to be here with all of you. I thought this morning's uh, Zazen Kenhen session was really exciting. <laughs> really interesting and fun. I We got off schedule and I've been practicing with Appamata, uh, you know, at least 10 years or 10, 10 or so years. And uh, I've never known us to get off schedule before. And, uh, and it was a, it's perfect introduction to today's topic, embodied, embodied practice. Uh, we had to, if the bell rang, we sat. <laughs> if the bell rang indicating Kenhen, we did Kenhen. Uh, it, it was, uh, you just had to be in the flow of what was happening. And then when I, I was sitting here in Zazen in my house, even though my air conditioner and heater are turned off, it's it turned on. <laughs> and there, and there was an immediate, uh, oh, is there something I need to do about that? Uh, but then went right back to, no, probably not, right back into embodied sitting, just just hearing, just just being here. And, and I think that's what um, embodied practice is all about, being fully present in the moment in this ever-changing world. And so that was just a uh, pretty perfect uh, opportunity to practice that uh, this morning. So um, I chose this topic because embodied practice is a term that I've been hearing a lot lately. And um, so I've started thinking, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? And basically, I've just been wondering about all the dimensions of embodied practice. So today's talk is just a sharing of my own exploration of the topic. But I'd like to know your thoughts on the topic. And at the end of this talk, maybe we can have a conversation. So recently I was reminded of a story that you may have heard before. The Buddha and the monks were talking one day. The monks were exclaiming about the wondrous and amazing descriptions of the Buddha's birth. 
the Buddha asked them if they'd like to hear something even more wondrous and amazing. And of course they did. And the Buddha said, when sitting, I know I sit. When standing, I know I stand. When lying down, I know I'm lying down. And what he's talking about here is being fully present in the body and mind. And this is truly an amazing feat because it is so easy to become distracted. But with practice, we can gradually develop our ability to be fully engaged and present. So one of the first things I learned when I showed up at Apamata was that Zen and Zazen are embodied practice. I'd begun to understand this through my own previous meditation practice, but I still had a lot to learn. I began a crash course in embodied practice with Peg and the Sangha that continues today. So today I'd like to talk about embodied practice as it applies to Zazen, to practicing the forms and to practicing the Buddha's teaching in day-to-day -day life. All meditation instructions we've ever heard from the teachings of the Buddha to Dogen to contemporary Buddhist teachers began with the body and posture. We're often asked to take a relaxed, upright posture. So notice, we're not asked to take a tense, rigid, self-concerned posture. We're asked to take an upright posture that is present in a very relaxed way to all of life. As we sit in this posture, all the senses are awake. We notice the movement of the breath and the body. It's just breathing. The body and the senses are very much alive. The ears hear without grasping at sound, just hearing. We may feel in our body various emotions from bliss to anger. We may notice sensations in our body such as discomfort or itching. We may observe this, these sensations, which often just come and go. And of course, we are conscious of thoughts as they arise and dissipate. Or we notice when we hold on to them tightly before finally letting them go. So this is just a thumbnail description of what is to me embodied sitting. Embodied sitting is being fully present in this body and mind right here, right now just sitting. We're taught that Zazen is embodied sitting. Uh, we're taught that, that Zazen is embodied sitting, but Ehe Dogen tells us to just wholeheartedly sit and thus drop away body and mind. And when we sit, we sometimes may notice a sense of vastness that could be called a dropping away of body and mind. This teaching seems a little paradoxical to me, which brings to mind one of my favorite quotes from Suzuki Roshi. He says, if it's not paradoxical, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so if you believe this quote, by definition, embodied sitting practice must be true practice. But the relationship between wholehearted embodied sitting and dropping away of body and mind can still seem a little confusing. 
Reb Anderson in his book, The Third Turning of the Wheel, clears up this question. So he says, the Chinese character that was used to translate sunyata, emptiness, means space, but the character looks like a drawing of a human body. It has a head, shoulders, ribs, hips, legs, and feet. There is a danger in understanding emptiness in a nihilistic way. I think the Chinese were wise in choosing that character to combat a nihilistic interpretation of emptiness and help us be calm, compassionate, and free. The character conveys embodied spaciousness. So to me, this term, embodied spaciousness, is a beautiful description of how essential embodied posture is to the practice of Zazen. The forms we use in the Zendo and that can also be used when we practice at home, are lovely embodied practices. They are grounded in the body, but are also another example of, of embodied spaciousness. The gentle attention we place on our movements is not rigid and narrow. It is a relaxed mindfulness of everything at once, the body, the space, and all that is contained within the space. We embody the forms by being fully present with every step as we feel the floor underneath our foot. We practice being fully aware of the body when we place our hands in gasho and bow. We practice being fully present to the sound of the bell and the scent of incense. It seems to me that there is an aspect of the forms that is a relational practice. We develop an embodied presence in relationship with everyone and everything. This body is relational with that body when we bow to one another. This body is relational with the floor when we walk kinhead. There is a relationship between the person who lights the incense, the person who offers the incense, and the candle that offers the flame. Fortunately, most aspects of the forms, including the body's relationship to the environment, can be embodied not only in the zendo, but also in our own home meditation space. However, if you find yourself able to make the drive to Apamata zendo to experience embodying the forms in relationship to other people, it is a joy well worth experiencing. And the same goes for those of us who live in other states and countries. Although those of us who practice online develop a felt sense of the presence of others, we value any time we are able to travel to a zendo or seshin to embody the forms and the presence of others. For all of us, learning to embody the forms helps us to realize how connected we are with everyone and everything in our world. Now, I'd like to talk about the practice of embodying the Buddha's teachings. One of the first teachings many of us learn is the Four Noble Truths. 
Today, I'd like to use this teaching as an example of how to embody a teaching into your life. One thing to be aware of is that the term Four Noble Truths is not so much that the truths themselves are noble, rather it is that they are the truths to be known by the noble ones, you and me. Bhikkhu Bodhi, in his book, The Buddha's Words, translates the Buddha's description of each of the noble truths along with its accompanying task. The first noble truth, the truth of suffering, is to be fully understood. The second noble truth, the truth of suffering's origin or craving, is to be abandoned. The third truth, the cessation of suffering, is to be realized. And the fourth truth, the truth of the path, is to be developed. Notice that there is an action associated with each truth. It seems to me that by stating these truths in this way, we are invited to embody them in our lives. The Four Noble Truths is an enormous topic. I think it could take a lifetime to embody these truths down to our bones. We begin with the first noble truth, understanding suffering. We feel it in our bodies when we fear death, old age, and all the other things we don't want. Then comes the second noble truth, abandoning craving. We all have preferences but it is the craving, the grasping after our preferences that we can learn to abandon. For me, craving or grasping feels like a restriction or a tightness in my chest. It is when we notice how our craving or grasping causes suffering for ourselves and others that we want to begin the process of abandoning it. We find the key to realizing the cessation of suffering, the third noble truth, in the fourth noble truth, the truth of the path is to be developed. This path is called the Eightfold Path. Even its designation as a path, something you walk, seems to be a call to embody this teaching. The Eightfold Path includes skillful view or understanding, skillful intention, skillful speech, skillful action, skillful livelihood, skillful effort, skillful mindfulness, and skillful concentration. Gil Fronsdale wrote a very helpful book on how to practice the Eightfold Path with body, heart, and mind. The book is titled Steps to Liberation, the Buddha's Eightfold Path. In this book, Gil Fronsdale offers three or four practices and reflections for each of the factors of the path. These exercises help us to embody the Eightfold Path in the here and now of our lives. The exercises include inventories and journaling. Writing about a teaching helps us to embody it. He also offers us reflections to use as we observe aspects of the path. As they, present them, as they present themselves to us in our daily lives. Reflecting on our day-to-day -day experience of the Eightfold Path is a way to embody the teaching. 
He suggests that once we've thoroughly explored the factors of the path, we can then write down our remaining questions to discuss with a Sangha friend or a teacher. Speaking and discussing the Eightfold Path is yet another way to embody it. As we use these exercises to explore the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, the teaching ceases to be an intellectual exercise and becomes embodied daily practice. We begin to embody an understanding of the truth of suffering, to embody how craving feels and how it feels when we abandon it, to embody how it feels when we are sometimes able to mitigate suffering in our own lives, and to begin to develop an embodied practice of the Eightfold Path. The Buddhist teachings are not just beliefs we passively accept. To end our own suffering and the suffering of others, we take the teachings deep within ourselves. We embody them. We make them our own. What all these embodied practices have in common is they help us learn to be fully engaged and present in this ever-changing life. Being able to be fully present with ourselves is the essential step for being fully present with all the people, things, and events in our lives. We embody this spacious presence when we sit zazen, practice the forms, and internalize the teachings. To me, it seems that embodied, spacious presence is the ground from which the relief of suffering arises. It is something we can offer to ourselves and others day to day and moment to moment. Thank you so much. And I would like to, we've got plenty of time, so I would like to open the floor. I, I, I'm really curious to know, these are just my, my thoughts and what, what studying observations I've made of embodied practice my own practice. Um, I really like to know what is embodied practice to you? How do you how do you do it in the Zendo? How do you do it in your relationships day to day? Uh, so if anybody has anything they'd like to offer, I'd love to hear it. So the floor is open. Um, yeah, thank you so much. This is I really had a physical sensation that was also really what you described, I think, really peaceful and spacious um, while you were talking, thinking about just sitting upright and being relaxed and being um, uh, available, I guess is a word. I wanted to say that when we were doing Kinhen outside, um, I noticed a uh, weed in the path <laughs> and we spent some time yesterday cleaning the yard and the zendo and a lot of time weeding. And so I looked down at that weed and I thought, oh my God, okay, I'm going to pick it up. Um, and then I thought, no, do what you're doing. And, and I was sort of struck while you were speaking that in one way, when when something comes to me i look at the weed i see the weed and i think okay this is the moment 
in the moment, I'm going to pick up the weed? Um, or am I going to say, I'm following a particular form right now. And what that form involves is walking and paying attention to walking. It's not, it doesn't include picking up weeds. And the interesting tension between the forms we follow in the Zendo and not really having forms out of the Zendo and how, um, how those things interact, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about that. Oh, I think that's, uh, I think that's what it's all about. <laughs> and I like your story and it makes me think about, uh, I think being fully embodied and fully present is all about responding to the moment most appropriately. Mm. And, and, and it sounds to me like most appropriate in that moment was not to pull the weed, but in a different moment, it might have been, you know? And so I think the more we can be fully fully present in mind, body, and heart, uh, the more we can act appropriately and beneficially, you know, for ourselves and others. What do you think, Anne? Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think, um, yeah, it's a, a great, answer. I love the idea that in one situation, this would be appropriate. In another situation, that being and being aware of those three aspects of body, heart, and mind, really using those capacities to determine appropriate, to listening to everything, not just my mind. Right. Just yeah, not just one aspect, but trying to integrate all of that in determining what is appropriate, which we're all doing all the time. And I think that's what some, oh, thank you, Anne. But I think that's what, what is, uh, I think Zazen, especially Zazen, I think lends itself to that, to having sort of a, the ability to have a little wider view. Of, of of thing of of um a softness or something that that allows a, a little bit wider uh perspective and a little bit more ability to be uh appropriate in the moment or to see the moment even you know thank you very much thank you, Ellen, what a lovely talk and and your way of speaking is so kind and welcome it's it's really great to hear i i had a a thought before about embodiment <clears throat> just following something that you said earlier in your talk very very early on in the talk before you moved to uh, opening the some of the teachings that have been given over time uh and that is um just to share an experience i I remember hearing uh, a talk by our friend Vaughn, who, uh, who lives in, Alp in, in Alpine now, or the latest, the last I heard, uh, when he was still in Austin. He, uh, in a comment at, at, at an intensive, he 
talked about <clears throat> being in another intensive with a with a, uh, a rather strict teacher, I thought. Uh, and he said that he went and he talked to the teacher and he said, I've got this pain in my knee that is just so distracting and, and it's just bothering me so much. And I feel like I can't do anything but pay attention to this pain in my knee. And the, the teacher said um, something along the lines of, I'm sorry that's happening. Is there any other part of your body that is not feeling that pain? And um, that just, that really opened something for me hearing that. I mean, it, it sounded <clears throat> in a way kind of dismissive, but it's not, um, I came to realize. Uh, and it became uh, something important for me in terms of my, my relationship with my body in sitting. So I'd be sitting and I'd be struggling to try and calm my mind down. And I would remember that, um, you know, my mind is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, A another illustrative story that the, the famous one of um, Union sweeping uh, and Dawu comes and says, boy, you look really busy. Uh, shouldn't you, and the implication is, shouldn't you be meditating calmly instead of looking so busy all the time? And uh, Yunyan says, well, there's one who isn't busy. And uh, that all this time that I sp have spent in this sense of struggle with my own mind of, of trying to come back and come back and come back, uh, it just, what came to me over time was that my body, which is in a, an unfathomably complex from the operations of my ears to whatever's going on in my digestion and breathing, unbelievably complex. And there's literally a sh shelves of books written about the operations of what's going on in one's body at any given moment, that that is a kind of a, a bowl, you know, of a vast connection with the universe that is simply holding this, this rather small part of me that's doing all this thinking. Uh, and that, uh, that I can rest in that and that I can rest in what's happening right now, the sensations that I'm feeling, the, the sensations of, of hearing and, 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 and interoperception as well, kind of like what's going on with the muscles in the back of my neck, you know, and, um, that, that I, I, I think that this is what your, your, uh, talk is pointing to and, and, and it, it just reconfirms for me that that all these things are the ground of our being and and it's a it's a innocent mistake to think that we have to give all our attention to shaping our thoughts although that can happen in meditation but it can happen through gently or gently um uh, uh, letting the mind rest in the body, which is always, you know, I mean, that's my question I ask myself. Oh, I'm really perturbed right now. Is there any part of me that's not perturbed? Well, the skin behind my knees, like all of a sudden it's come into my consciousness, is not perturbed, you know? And there's a, since there's an endless variety of things available to pay attention to, that really 
that seems important to me. And I, I'm so glad you, you're, you're pointing that out this way. Uh, thank you so much, Ellen. Thank Sorry you. For thank Sorry you. for going on so long. <laughs> no, thank you so much for all those observations. I, great, thank you. Oh, I see Rosemary's hand. Okay. Oh, not, no, sorry. No. I'm going to spotlight myself. Okay. Hi, Ellen. Hey, Rosemary. And thank you. And thank you, Joel. And, um, oh, can I unspotlight Joel? Sorry, Joel. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Joel and Anne also. Um, so, what Anne was talking about, well, I think part of it anyway, was um, when we come out of the Zendo in our in our lives, how do we um, retain maybe um, some of this embodiment? And um, I had been thinking, I'm so kind of in love with the movement, the grace of the forms. And the, this is the Zendo is so at Austin is so important to me in watching um the grace of the forms and um even sitting zazen is is very graceful and and the the um uh, composure and what i was thinking about is well if we moved even at times in our daily life you know even getting up from the cushion for example but you know moving here and there if we moved you know with uh, more awareness and grace as you know I experience in uh, the forms, would we maybe act and think and feel in a more graceful way or more composure, how the embodiment might um, imbue um, how we are in the world. Anyway, that was my thought. Um, just a lot of appreciation. And in fact, this was a crazy little fantasy that I had while I was sitting, a little daydream came. Well, what if I went to Austin for a month so there's, you know, it's like, I, you know, I do have this, um, you know, wish to um, be there and learn and learn more of the, the service forms. So thank you so much for the offering, uh, Ellen. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Okay. And we have Becky. So... Becky. And... Hey, Becky. Hello, Ellen. So thank you so much for doing this. Um, one of the things that happens for me when we're talking about embodiment is the way that my body doesn't work the way that all the forms are set up to be done. And so I, I was thinking about this when you mentioned it earlier as well, though, is that is that the, the process of, of feeling in me what it is that the instructions would provide for me and then finding the way I can have as much of what that is. Even though it will look different, it won't be following the, you know, the instructions for the embodiment. But embodiment itself is extremely important. It's embodiment, you know, it's, it's what that is because it's the, it's the part where our body 
thinks for us. Our body, our body knows something that we can learn from while all of that's happening. It helps us not have to use as much of our mind to think of what am I doing now? Because our body reminds us, as, as Anne was saying in terms of the weed, her, her mind saw the weed. What do you do with the weed at this point? Like, oh, wait a minute, you know, because, because our body reminds us, our body calls us back to it. And so the other thing that happened for me when you were talking and talking about the, the additional part of, of our practice that we have made adjustments in order to have them through Zoom and, and that we can even feel in our body things that I wouldn't have guessed that I could feel from being with another person. I wouldn't have guessed that that would be possible online. And yet there it is. So, so for me, um, I, I think that, that we all need to be creative with it. And yet the common thing is there for a reason. The, the fact that, that we sit upright is not just because that's a way to sit. It's because, it's because the ancients knew and felt in this position of being upright my whole body and mind are at the best they can be. That the most, the most conversation that goes on within the body, nourishing, nourishing everything in us, is, is there the best when we can have our spine as straight as it can, our, our, the top of our head being held by the string, all of those things are, are because they recognize this is, this is when the body, mind, and heart are all connected the best. So anyway, all those things. But, you know, I've, I've told you, Ellen, that, that, you know, to do, like I, I was trying to figure out how to do uh, spin it, you know, that one. Uh, Ken, 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 um, at the point where I was beginning not to be able to walk at all. And, and, and so, you know, to, to walk with my walker slowly. And then and what it turns out is the way that we walk and slowly was the way I was able to go on walking for longer than I would have been able to otherwise. And so it all, it all does. I mean, those are very blatant and physical descriptions of how is it in our life the embodiment right? right but that those extend even to as you've been talking about you know to our emotions to our ability to have presence in, in the moment all of those things so thank you so very, very much for this Ellen it's a wonderful a wonderful thing to bring bring forward now thank you thank you Becky Thank you so much. Yeah, Sandra. Hey, Sandra. I was wondering what you you know you know a lot about of about embodiment. Tell, tell us what your thoughts are. 
Oop, we can't hear you. Are you muted? You're muted, Sandra. Okay, so thank you so much for the Dharma talk. Um, so what came to me when you're talking about is just the embodiment of the forms and not only in the sendo. For me, my own experience, I remember when I started going to practice more saying and doing, seeing the session, how fleeing was taking care of the cushion, all that. Sometimes I was thinking in the beginning, okay, this is going to exacerbate more my OCD, <laughs> you know, very clean. But, um, but it, it didn't. It really, I was really noticing how it's so important the taking care even the cushion. How can you do that and you, in your everyday life? So those are the forms for me not only the sendo, but the sendo is like, like a training, like train you how to do your, that in your everyday life. Like when you are eating, you know, how, what you are eating, your presence, what, what you are putting in your body, it's, it's all that, even though when you are walking and the relational part that you're talking about is the same, you know, even though hiking, I love that, is the relationship with with the nature and everybody that's crossing, you know, going with me. It's, I feel that that I know I know alone. I'm walking with all these people. Some of them say hello to me, some of them they don't, but and it's okay. I'm part of all that. So it's that it's that for me like a continuum dancing, relational embodied dancing with everything, with every form that we do in our lives. So, yeah, really, really that's, when you start talking about that, really start resonating with me. And, and, and what Becky said, you know, the listening, the listening of the body is really very, very interesting in my own, in my own experience. It took many years for me to really be where I am now. And it's like the body just pull you where it is. And it's not that you don't know, discard the mind. The mind is always there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think you're right about it. I love what you talk about, about the, it's a dance, a daily, a dance, but not just in the Zendo and in your whole life. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Sandra. So, do we have anything else? If not, I want to thank you all so much. It's been real a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs>